Welcome to the All In Gold podcast, the podcast that teaches you how to go all in on your business goals and create the life of your dreams. If you're new to business and you're determined to create productive habits and positive mindsets to set you up for success, this show is for you. I'm your host and coach, Linda Drozdowich, and I'm thrilled for you to join me on this journey to business gold. Let's go all in. Hey everyone, welcome to the All in Gold podcast. My name is Linda Drozdowich. I am your host and I have an amazing guest for you today. Her name is Fatima Sayawariva. Fatima actually came to Winnipeg from Zimbabwe on her own when she was just 19 years old to study social work. And since then, she's worked for 10 years as a mental health and diversity advocate. And she specializes in trauma and domestic violence and refugee and immigrant issues. And she uses an anti-racism and anti-colonial approach in her work. She's also a lifestyle blogger by night and is working on setting up her own private practice. So she's a busy woman. She is really passionate about using her voice to speak up about racism in Canada. And she's been inspired to do this work so that her four-year-old son will grow up in a safe, welcoming, and just environment. She's also been inspired by the young generation of activists who are boldly speaking up about the Black Lives Matter movement. We are going to have a fantastic conversation. I can't wait for you to listen to her. And she's filled with all sorts of action tips and positive steps that we can make to really create change in our community. So without further ado, let's welcome Fatima Sayawariva. Hello, everyone. Uh, you know, I'm so excited to be here. I've got Fatima with me, uh, Fatima Sayawariva. She's coming live to us from her closet. We're doing another closet uh, podcast, which is very exciting. I want it to be my specialty these days. Like it's, it's, so, uh, it's so fun. I feel like I get such an interesting glimpse into people's lives, a much more intimate <laughs> glimpse into people's lives when I record them from their closet. So anyway, thank you, Fatima, for coming. And uh, we're going to have a fantastic conversation today. I've been really looking forward to this all day. I, uh, I appreciate you coming on and I appreciate you reaching out. And I also appreciate you not canceling because <laughs> you had said before that you were thinking, oh my gosh, what have I gotten myself into? So I know that that is, that is a super common feeling for most women in business and women in work is, you know, those challenges is that we, we take on. A lot of us have that feeling afterwards of, I'm not ready. I'm not, I, I, you know, who am I to take this stage? Who am I to speak as an expert on this subject? And a lot of us then talk ourselves out of doing the things that we are called to do. So I am really glad that you are uh, stepping up to the challenge that you gave yourself. <laughs> so thank you, Fatima, for coming. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your business and uh, so we can, we can get to know you? Yeah, definitely. So first of all, I wanna say thank you so much, Linda 
um like you mentioned before i was really you know uh, almost freaking out not wanting to come even though i'm the one who reached out um so i also want to say you know congratulations because uh, we've met before we have and, thank uh, you the, yeah and the last time i met you you were kind of talking about how you wanted to do this podcast and you just didn't sit on it you went ahead and you made it happen and I've listened to it and it's amazing. So congratulations. You're very, Thank very you. inspiring. I appreciate well, that because as you know, it is, it is challenging. Like I, I did say that out loud, like I want to have a podcast and then, and then you're faced with, you know, you've got a dream and you don't know how to do this dream. And that's where I find uh, for me in business, it's, you know, being able to reach out to other people and say, I don't know what I'm doing, please help me. <laughs> and that's where, yeah, that's how this podcast came out to be. Um, Natalie Soups and uh, Shalinda Kirby are the producers of this uh, podcast and they do the engineering and they're fantastic. And I couldn't have done it without them. So women supporting women. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I agree. And I think it's other women like you and other women in my life um, that has kind of like inspired me to, you know, to be a little bit bold um, yes. this year in terms of like reaching out and even trying to do a podcast for the first time. So I'm really excited um, about 2020. And I guess kind of going back to the question you asked me in terms of who I am and yes. the background. Yes. So, uh, yeah, so it's a bit of a, I don't know if it's a long story, but I'll try my best to shorten it a little bit because I tend to get excited about explaining things and kind of go around and around in circles. Everybody uh, so loves a backstory. <laughs> so tell us, tell us the story. Yeah. So basically my name is Fatima and I'm originally, you know, from Zimbabwe. I came to Canada on my own. I was only uh, 19. Wow. And I, yeah, and I didn't know anybody at all. And uh, the funny story is I met a guy uh, from Russia and uh, at the airport at uh, in the UK at Heathrow Airport. And he had a speaker with the Canadian flag. And then I just noticed that we were going to the same gate, same everything else. And then we went to, you know, flight to Toronto and then Toronto to Canada. And I realized he was also coming to Winnipeg. And then I just kind of went to him and I said, oh, I'm just wondering if you're also going to Winnipeg because I noticed that, you know, you were in London and then now Toronto. And he was the only person that I knew coming into Winnipeg. And I got here around 12 midnight. I had no idea where I was. Um, so, yeah, so that was kind of my story in terms of being, you know, coming into this country and other stories that I've experienced when I'm here. Uh, great stories, positive stories, but also uh, maybe some of my so good stories and that's yes. why i'm kind of passionate about diversity because uh, i've had to learn the hard way um so i basically came for school to do social work so i've been you know in the social work field for the, more than 10 years uh i've worked with women i've worked with kids i've worked with families i've done marriage counseling i've done work in trauma um, mental health issues depression ptsd uh like Society, you name it. And I'm really passionate too about mental health because of the field that I'm in. But one of the things too that happens in that field, if you're not careful and if you're not taking care of yourself, you might get burnt out. Um, right. So I decided to start a microblogging. But before I did the microblogging, I actually had a blog back in the day that was called uh, Shona Styles, where I would blog about fashion. 
And I actually ended up having a TV show uh, on Shore TV where I was uh, interviewing all the bloggers in Winnipeg. Oh, I don't know if it's cool. still there on the internet somewhere. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, so that was great because I had no experience whatsoever in TV. But, um, you know, somebody believed in me, another woman. Uh, she said, why don't you go ahead and do this? And I said, I have never done this. I've never interviewed anybody in my life. And I said, well, it's always the first time. Oh, and, that's amazing. Yeah. And so you, you had a video blog. Um, so it was actually a TV show. So it was, it was actually produced by Shore TV. So they had a volunteer program where as volunteers, you kind of come in um, and then you talk about your ideas, kind of like pitch your ideas in terms of what, what kind of TV show you'd want to produce. So at the time, the idea was you would you know, pitch this idea and then they'll have their own people go produce their own professional reporters or interviewers kind of go in and kind of do that. Uh, but they decided that I should do it since I came up with the idea. So you were, uh, you were doing a TV show and interviewing women in fashion, and then you switched over to doing blogging. Yeah, so at the time, um, how we came about, I was already blogging in, in Winnipeg, and that was maybe around, maybe 2000 and I want to say 10 or maybe 12. So very early on. And uh, there were not so many bloggers at the time. Um, and I was trying to connect to other bloggers. Um, and then I started volunteering at Short TV. And like I had mentioned before, they wanted ideas, new fresh ideas for their volunteer program. Um, so because I was a blogger at the time and I was wondering, where is everybody else? Uh, other cities, they had all these meetups, they had all these groups and Winnipeg was quiet. Even if you went on Google, you wouldn't really see anybody. Maybe a few people at the time, like the names were kind of popping up a little bit. Um, so uh, my idea was to try and expose, I guess, expose the blogging world to the mainstream. Because at the time it was almost like telling somebody what blogging was. Um, so like people wouldn't know. So yes, I was kind of talking about fashion. Uh, and kind of alternating that a little bit with important issues that were going on in the world. Yeah, so that was basically it. Yeah. Interesting. And so right now you are, you are still doing the blogging at night, like as you said, but your day job is you are working with mental health and diversity and you work with immigrants and refugees as well, correct? Yes. So in the past, um, so this is kind of like my past experience, I guess my work experience, um, work experience. So in the past, yes, I've worked with refugee and immigrant population. Um, but right now I'm also working with a diverse population. I mainly work with uh, Indigenous women. So that's why um, using the anti-colonial approach and anti-racism approach is extremely important for the work that I do. Uh, as a visible minority myself, I do recognize some of the challenges and some of the issues that, you know, Indigenous women go through because it's kind of similar to what Black women also go through as well. So I'm very passionate about that and I guess in that regard. Do you write about that as well in your, in your blog? Do you write about the diversity issues that women are facing, Indigenous women and Black women and women of color? Do you 
you use that in your blog or or are you using that more lately since you know there's been such a movement um you know the black lives matter movement has sparked you know huge discussions on all these issues in the world right now are you yourself writing about it more and talking about it more Mm -hmm. So that's a very good question. Um, so in my day-to-day, -day, everyday life, in terms of my work, that's who I am and that's what I use. However, before COVID, before Black Lives Matter and everything else that has been going on uh, this year, to be quite honest, I have also been uh, a little bit quiet on the issues because just like everybody else, people will be surprised. Even as a Black woman myself, sometimes I felt, oh, I don't want to offend anybody. Mm. I, so I should sugarcoat this. I should write all the fluffy stuff about, oh, it's sunny today. Um, what should we be doing this weekend? Because I don't know. I, I don't want anybody to think I'm the angry right. <laughs> black woman. Yeah. So, so it is important. Like that's why now even trying to reach out to you, this is one of the things I've decided for myself. I don't know if it's a blessing of COVID maybe reflection i'm not sure but i've decided that i don't want to be quiet anymore i don't want to sugarcoat anything anymore i think you know we all have a role to play even myself as a black mom now that i'm a mother i'm finding it even more important that i speak out that i don't try to minimize myself in order for other people to feel comfortable like i need to be able to speak out and kind of talk about the issues. Um, so in the past, I had been very, um, yeah, let's just say that in the past, I, I've been kind of, not really scared is not the word that I would use, but I've been, I, I've been, yeah, minimizing my voice, not trying to speak out as much, just in the fear of offending people. I know myself, like I've had conversations recently uh, talking about this issue of, you know, not tone policing. And I, I've, I've heard that, uh, that phrase, and I, I had never heard that phrase before until about, about a year ago. And it, it really clarifies an issue that is so prevalent that, you know, um, white people will often say, you know, we don't want to hear your message if it's, if it's angry. We can't hear you when, when you're angry, yeah. even though that anger is very righteous and it should be there. Um, uh, that's been used to silence a lot of people to say, you know, um, we'll only listen to you when you speak in a, in a certain tone. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, right now, what I have seen is that that has been um, uh, made visible. People are starting to recognize that and seeing that uh, black people have the right to speak and the right to speak in an angry tone. Yeah. And as a, a, a white person in this system of, you know, a, of systemic racism, that we need to get better at, at listening to the message, no matter mm -hmm. the tone, hearing the messages and listening and learning and so I appreciate that you are speaking up and it's not easy. That's a, that's a big challenge yeah. to, to speak up. Oh yeah, definitely. And just to kind of go back to your point about, um, you know, the tone policing, 
I think it's it has a lot of layers. It's not just the angry tone because a lot of black people when they do talk about these issues and actually I'll kind of move forward and even use the term BIPOC, right? Like black, indigenous and women of color. Um, when they do talk about these issues, they're not always angry. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't matter sometimes what kind of tone you're using. I could be talking to somebody in this way and just trying to say, you know, um, you know, I have this experience and I'm not sure if there was more to this experience, if it's a personality thing and there's more going on, people automatically shut down and they do it in several ways. Um, they will A, invalidate what you're saying. Right. And they will also make you question whether what you saw and how you feel is valid, right? They'll say something like, oh, you know what? I don't think that's what happened. That person is a nice person. I think maybe you're just being sensitive. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things that go into that. So when that happens, you question yourself, like, was I sensitive? Am I, you know, am I being too sensitive about this issue? And then after a while of having gone through these different things, you realize, no, I'm not being sensitive. There's a pattern here. And now I know the code word of what this means. Um, and then it becomes very frustrating when you're trying to say something and you keep on getting invalidated about your experiences. And I think that's why a lot of people end up internalizing these issues, right? And then that manifests itself into depression, anxiety, and all these mental health issues uh, that, um, you know, women of color, black women, you know, black people usually, you know, are struggle with. Um, it's a result of all these layers of oppression and all these layers of just suppressing the feeling because every single time you got to act a certain way in order to navigate yourself in workplaces and social settings. So it's exhausting. I was <laughs> just going to say, it sounds exhausting. It, yeah, um, it, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, so it becomes very difficult for people uh, in regards to that. Yeah. So there's a lot of layers when it comes to tone policing um, because I don't know if you've ever heard about it. It kind of goes into the whole microaggression. For me, microaggression basically a micro insult, right, or invalidation. Um, and I do think for our Canadian context, um, those are the things that you know uh, BIPOCs usually face a lot. Um, you know, when we talk about racism, people think about this big uh, incidents that we see maybe, you know, across the border or somewhere else. And we're like, no, that doesn't happen here in Winnipeg. <laughs> maybe not to those extent, right? Like those big, big events like that. But however, um, on an everyday basis, what people go through, visible minority, are those microaggressions. So they could be anything so simple as, um, you go to a playground with your child uh, and then everybody kind of moves away. Yeah. And then, you know, on a surface, that might look like, oh, it's very innocent. Maybe they were hot. <laughs> needed to go into the shade, right? <laughs> maybe. No. Maybe it is. We, we no. don't know, right? Um, and then you go into a store and somebody follows you. You're like, oh, okay, fine. You're just doing their job. And then at some point you realize it keeps on happening just to yourself and not other people. And then you start realizing, wait a minute, there's more that's going into it. And just kind of going with the tone policing as well. Uh, let's say you're in a meeting um, and then you, know, you say something and people say, you know what? 
uh, we find you intimidating or the first time we, we met you, we find you intimidating. So these are words that are specifically reserved for visible minorities. So somebody oh, yeah. else across the room might say the same point in the exact same tone uh, and they might not get that same response. It's like when you're, you know, uh, I'm pretty sure every woman has experienced this. When you're in a boardroom with males and there are females there, Sometimes, you know, um, a male says something that's very aggressive and it's seen as being very assertive. And then as a woman, you say the same thing and then everybody else calls you a name, like you know, the B word that we're not yep. going what it is. Exactly. Yep. So, so for black women and women of color, it's exactly the same experiences, they, you know, the same thing that they also experience. And I think that the point that you made, I, I saw that in particular in the last couple months when we saw the impact of the George Floyd murder. And as Canadians, we felt very self-righteous, like that stuff does not happen here. You know, we, we somehow saw ourselves... Um, as better than as that you know we are not we're not like that but the reality is of course there is racism in canada just as much there is police violence there is all of those aggressions are here and i think that we we like to think that we're somehow different but um I think having that understanding of what you were saying about the microaggressions mm -hmm. and how they exist on such a day-to-day -day level mm -hmm. for uh, Black people, Indigenous people, and people of color, that it's, um, it is important to highlight them and to become aware of them and to know that it is a part of the systemic uh, injustice that we all are living in. Mm -hmm. And I think... I've, I've seen that uh, becoming aware of that has been, uh, has been crucial for so many people just to become aware of what that looks like and that experience and what that experience is on a day-to-day -day basis. So I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I, I do know it exists in Canada and uh, we are not somehow uh, above, <laughs> above no, the United States. not at States. all. <laughs> not at all. Um, we got on this subject because you were talking about your your blog and that you don't tend to you weren't tending to talk about this as much mm -hmm. but now you're starting to switch a little bit did you say like you're, you're yeah you're, it's, it's, you're speaking up yeah it's something that um i've kind of recommitted to it like i do for people who know me personally they know that you know in my social settings i do speak up but somehow on social media, like um, for whatever reason, I decided to silence myself, uh, you know, for fear of offending. But right now, I think it's changing. And I think for me, the change has been, the, I think it's been kind of ongoing. I have a child, he's four years old, he's four. And to me, it's extremely important that, you know, as he's growing up, he doesn't have to go to any, I, I don't want to say any negative experiences, but I guess racial negative experiences. Um, so I feel that as a mother, it is my duty to try and reach as many people as I can and educate as many people as I can so that he doesn't have to go through that burden. And um, 
for myself, like I did mention earlier on, I came to Canada from Zimbabwe, so as an immigrant, right? So just to give people, you know, um, a perspective, I guess, in terms of where I'm coming from. I grew up in Zimbabwe with people that look like me, my teachers, my doctors, my, my president, you know. So I didn't really grow up with racism. Um, it takes a very long time to get there because I'm not really like, oh, now I've kind of learned, but especially when I came to Canada, it took me a very long time to realize what was going on because I'd never experienced it. But the weird thing, even though I didn't know what was going on, it was almost like that moment when somebody says something to you and then as you're leaving or going home, as you're driving home, you're like, that conversation, there was something wrong with it, but I can't quite put my, you know, finger yeah. on it exactly it was. So I have a lot of experience of things like that that happened to me and I just couldn't understand. I'm like, hmm, something there, but I'm not sure what it is, right? Um, so for me as a parent, I am now that I do realize and knowing about other people's stories of kids, you know, um, being aware or being subjected to, you know, racism at such a young age is something that I don't want my child to go through. I didn't go through that. I only got to maybe kind of experience maybe racism as an adult so when you experience racism as an adult um it doesn't really impact you the same way uh you know from somebody who has been subjected from it from their formative years which we know kids you know you know between that age of one to five is extremely important for their development and if if they're being told by society that they're not good enough at that age we do know the outcomes of that so yeah, so I'm beginning to speak out and it's something that I'm intentionally um, going to be doing moving forward. I don't know how exactly. And but... where did you, uh, like you had said that, you know, when you started to have those experiences here in Canada, you couldn't even name them at first. So where did you get your, your understanding of it? Like, was it just kind of an organic realization of what was happening or did you get training in it yourself or... Did you, you know, like find people who were inspiring you or giving you that knowledge or that information that you then had an understanding of what was happening? I think it was a combination of things. So there was the organic part of it, uh, of just, you know, questioning what was that interaction again? Yeah. What just happened? And then going to debrief with other people um, and saying, you know what, I was walking and this is what happened to me. Is that normal? And then somebody else saying, oh my God, that happens to me too. Or yeah, that has happened to me. And then they kind of share their own stories. And then you also go and sit down with your, um, I guess maybe your white friends, your Caucasian friends and say, hey, this is what happened to me. And they're like, ah, no, that has never happened to me before. I, I don't know what you're talking about. And then, so I started realizing, wait a minute, it seems like everybody else who's saying yes, yes, yes to this is, you know, people who look like me. There's something going on here. Because yes. when I did go to my friend, you know, who grew up from, you know, grew up in Ontario, they're saying, oh, they don't know what I'm talking about. They've never experienced this before. <laughs> so I started realizing there was something else going on here. And then obviously training, because I was in school, workshops, reading books, uh, and then obviously Facebook with people posting the same thing somebody who's in England, somebody who's in the States. And I'm like, what? That's my experience here. What's going on here? So it's been a combination. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and I can see, you know, becoming a parent and having a child highlights the issue even more about, you know, what you want for your son. 
and you know that you are compelled to speak up to make changes so that he has a better experience and what i want to see is that it's not the responsibility of black people and indigenous people and people of color to make sure their children are safe it yeah. is the responsibility of the entire system of white people to to recognize their role in this uh, system and to take responsibility for their privilege and their their microaggressions and become aware and see that it is their responsibility to mm -hmm. take this on that it's not your job <laughs> to change yeah. a system that is that is racist you know i i talked about this in my last podcast is is passing the microphone is you know, not taking up uh, as much airspace so that other people's experiences and stories can be highlighted so we can start to make some changes. Like we've been in this pressure cooker of the pandemic and, you know, uh, a lot of us been, have been at home, a lot of, uh, how have you seen that the combination of the COVID and then the Black Lives Matter um, being, you know, so much in the news and the media right now, how is that impacting uh, what you're seeing in terms of uh, changes in, in uh, anti-racist work and anti-racist uh, um, experiences right now? I think um, there's a lot of positive changes that are going on right now. The biggest one being uh, people begin to talk about it. Yes. And um, one of the things that I've always realized is that, um, you know, as Canadians, we have a really, really, really difficult time to talk about racism. Racism is almost like the F word. We don't talk about the R. We don't go there. This is not what you're we right. do. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah. So to even have people talking about it on their social media, conversation in the workplace, conversation in social settings, and people just genuinely wanting to talk about it. Um, so I think that's a positive step, step. Because one of the things that has been very uh, damaging to, you know, um, people of color is the silence. Yes. The silence has been extremely damaging. Um, just think about it, uh, you know, I'm just going to use the example of mothers, uh, you know, you have your toddler, two-year-old, and he's crying, and you as the mother, you pretend like you're not seeing that child crying and hurting. Just imagine the impact that will happen to that child if it keeps on happening every single time that that child is hurting and the mom is not coming to comfort that child, right? So the same analogy can be used too in terms of like, you know, uh, for black people in terms of Black Lives Matter. Now people talk about it and it's like, this is exactly what we've been asking. Let's just have a dialogue. Let's just have a discussion. Because when you do have this discussion, um, that's when you can actually realize, wait a minute, I thought I knew about this issue, but apparently I don't. And then you start asking the good, you know, the great, the good questions. So what do I need to do? You know, um, like, for example, you were kind of talking about passing on the mic, right? So a good one. And also the reason why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> because you know what? I want it to be the change that I, want, that I want to see in the world. I've always asked myself, like almost every 
conference that I go to, every workshop that I go to, whether it's work-related, whether it's a social event, I find that I'm usually the only person in attendance. And then if there's a panel, I don't see anyone who looks like me on a panel. And I've asked myself this question a lot. Is it because they, we don't have, you know, um, black women in leadership in Winnipeg or women of color in Winnipeg, indigenous women in leadership in Winnipeg? Um, but, you know, and I took it upon myself to do a little bit of research. And if you just go on, you know, on Instagram, you realize that's not true. They're absolutely amazing women out there that are doing amazing work but we don't get to see them being invited to take the center stage and then when they do get invited to you know to to the stage they're usually asked to speak on one thing and guess what the topic is racism <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you know um these women could be speaking about other issues as well um so i think it's extremely important um, as business owners, whether you even have a small business, a small brand, to kind of look in the room or look at the people that you use for your social medias in terms of advertising, uh, when you're doing your events. And I always find it interesting. There's so many events that will say women empowerment, da, 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 da. Okay. And then I'm usually interested in things like that. I go in, I don't see any woman of color represented in terms of the panel, right? Not just yep, people yep. who are coming in. Um, and then the other thing too, even if, you know, people are doing the events and they notice that they are not really getting a lot of women of color uh, at their events, whether it's a business event, you have to start asking yourself questions. You know, what am I doing uh, in regards to my marketing to kind of send the message that everybody is welcome to be uh, recognized that if you're doing posters or whatever it is for your events or for your business and everybody looks the same, it sends very subtle messages that they're sending people that are not invited to this party. Yep. And then yep. as a result of that, you don't get to see a lot of women of color coming to these events and participating because the message has said, you know, women who look like this are the ones that we want as our ideal client, as our ideal participant. Yes. And uh, it's, it's as simple as changing the graphics that they are included. Um, but I agree. I've been to many events in Winnipeg um, that have been very white and they are supposed to be for women empowerment and uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's been very clear that there's only, only a certain group that they are supposed to be empowering, you know? So I think there are, um, there are definitely need for change. Um, and yeah, taking a look at who's on the panels, who you're inviting as speakers, uh, you know, all of those things are very important. And it's the responsibility of the person putting on the conference or having the meeting to make sure that, you know, that who is represented, who's at the table yeah. and, and to make some big changes. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, um, just to, to go back to your question about, you know, uh, how is COVID and Black Lives Matter yes. kind of impacted, uh, I guess maybe myself or just people in general, uh, it's even us having this conversation, it's a result of all the events that have just kind of taken place. 
Yes. And, and this is a good starting point because people might not even realize because part of what I'm trying to educate people is sometimes we know whiteness is seen as normal and then the other colors as the other default. But the more that we start using brown borders in terms of, you know, advertising, marketing, putting, you know, asking other women to come on the stage, it normalizes that experience of seeing a black woman on a stage, an indigenous woman on a stage, a woman of color on the stage, and it doesn't become the, oh, that's different. It just becomes, oh, that's a woman on the stage speaking about her business. So that's what it does. And it, it actually makes such a huge difference in the world and also an impact. And it's be quite frankly, I think it's also part of social justice, to be honest, because it does have all these um, ripple effects, right? Uh, because the more that it becomes normal to see a black woman on the stage, that same woman, uh, when she goes into a restaurant, um, an expensive restaurant, now it becomes normal that, oh yeah, we do know that black women can be doctors, they can be lawyers, they can be business leaders. Um, and then it doesn't become, we don't even hear all those weird stories of somebody just getting to because they probably did not belong there, you know, make changes and contribute to making the world, uh, you know, a different place or a better place for all, uh, all of us. Really. I, I absolutely. I think that's uh, that is very profound. And what you had said about, you know, we've seen white as just being the the norm. Um, I'm hoping that that is changing. Um, but that we still have a long way to go, you know, to see, because um, I, I don't remember who said it, but something, but we, we're all swimming in the same system. And, uh, you know, we've seen whiteness as the default for so long that, uh, as you had said before, we don't talk about racism. You know, it's been a taboo subject. And, you know, um, we haven't recognized that there is this unspoken rule, yes, that, that whiteness is the norm. And if, you know, as you said, like right now with um, uh, the, the highlight on the Black Lives Matter movement, maybe these conversations are moving us a little bit in the right direction. Yeah. You know, we've still got a long way to go, but we're, we're moving at least. Yeah, we're definitely is, moving. There yeah. is some recognition. Mm -hmm. There's definitely uh, some positive changes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I wanted to ask you, like you had said, there are positive changes that you're seeing right now. Um, and, uh, you know, we're recognizing this, um, I, I, that, that image that you said about a child crying, I'm hoping that we are starting to recognize the pain that is, uh, that, that groups of people of color, indigenous people, black people have been experiencing for so long. And I recognize the frustration that must be there when white people are start are just going oh are are you in pain like we're you know just starting to recognize this like and and you're like yeah we've been saying we're in pain for years and you haven't heard the cry you know like it, it must be very like frustrating that now that there now that there's this kind of dawning realization uh 
on a lot of people's part, like, oh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, there's things that we need to do. Yeah. There's, no, no, for sure. But I say, you know what, better late than never. Right. right. Yeah. Right. So I, you know, um, you know, we all make mistakes. Uh, I mean, racism is a big mis- <laughs> It's not, it's not something to play with, but I mean, I'm talking on an individual level, right? Because a lot of the racism stems from those uh, systematic racism. And yes. I think that's why it's been kind of difficult for people to talk about it because they think of racism in this big abstract concept. Uh, and feel overwhelmed uh, to talk about it. But there are things that, you know, we can do on a daily basis, um, whether that's in your social life or in business. Uh, It all starts with kind of creating space. Are you creating space to have these conversations, Um, especially as a business owner, look at who who are you employing and who's coming into your business? And also, there's also a tendency sometimes like just because brands are getting a lot of pushback right now, right? To just do that one little picture of that brown skinned woman and a black square on your Instagram and go, yay. (laughs) Check, done. (laughs) Check, done. We've done the work. Um, But I think it has to be intentional. Uh, As a brand, as a businesswoman, you really have to be curious and ask the right questions and also create that safe space for your employees if you do have one um, and um, you know asking about you know how can we make this workplace a safe place for everybody else what do we need to have in place in terms of your policies mission statements and everything uh, that's included in business and then if you don't have anybody that you hire but think about who are you doing business with as well what you know who are you supporting because there are some problematic brands or maybe it could be manufacturers or where you source your products. Think about all those different things as well. Um, because when you as a businesswoman, when you start pushing back on those problematic brands that you work with, they are going to be forced to look within themselves because now they're losing customers. And that's why diversity is also important, right? Um, so they will have to be forced to kind of like look within themselves okay what do we need to do maybe we need to hire more people uh, from different backgrounds so that we get different perspectives because like i said you don't know what you don't know until somebody yes. says hey i don't think this is okay so that's just something to think about well you've given lots of great action items you know look who's at the table look who's speaking at the conferences who are you hiring what brands are you doing business with um how are you representing your uh you know images in your social media you know what clients you're reaching out to um uh all of those are are great um great action items, you know, and they, they're something that people can do. And, um, and I liked how you said, you know, to get curious Mm -hmm. and, and that's a, that's a great quality. Get curious, uh, ask questions to yourself. What can I do? How can I be more intentional? That made me think, is there a question that I should be asking you that you wish that I would be asking you right now? Not that I can think of right now. No. Um, okay. Maybe about mothers, I guess, because I right now I guess motherhood is all encompassing for me, in terms of like maybe uh, I know this is for women in business, but as we know, yes. women we are juggling a lot of different roles, right? 
Yes. Um, so I'm always kind of thinking back to, to the kids, the next generation as well. Um, you know, like one of those uh, small steps that people could take is if you're having a birthday party, look around you. Who is coming to your birthday parties? I always find it fascinating uh, when I'm invited to a birthday party. That's the first thing that I look at. And then when I do throw my birthday parties for my child, I always try to make it the United Nations. Nice. But, yeah. <laughs> like I, I, I have friends from all walks of life. But I love just meeting new people. And, and that's because of curiosity. Once I'm in a place, I'm just so curious about people. I want to know, you know, their stories. And, and it's part of that conversation of saying, hey, I hear you, I see you. So if you're in your room, um, go to somebody you know there's a woman of color in the room you're feeling awkward you know you don't know what to say just go and ask questions hi you know i saw you i like your shoes you know as women we love compliments right compliment yeah. another woman uh, and then a conversation can just flow on it and then the other thing too is even when it comes to children as well what are your kids reading in terms of books Yes. Are they reading books, you know, that talk about other cultures, that talk about diversity? And obviously it has to be age appropriate, right? Uh, it could be as simple as, let's say if you have a one-year-old, eight-month, uh, even just going through, uh, what do you call it, the alphabet book, but it has different faces, different colors, uh, where the characters are not always looking white, but they have like a brown boy in there, go with, you know, braids. So the message that you're sending to your child, we were talking about that whole thing again of normalizing other colors. When your child goes to daycare for the first time, goes to school for the first time, they see that brown boy, it's not going to be such a shock into their system because they have been exposed to this. This is normal. We have, you know, other kids that are brown, other kids that are white, other kids that are red, other kids that are yellow, you know. So, and then they're exposed to it. And it's not difficult for them as well to make friends and ask the right questions because they've been exposed to it before. Right. Okay. Yeah. No, that, and that's uh, just as a mother, you know, that's uh, what you're passing down to your kids is, is important. And are you having hard conversations with your kids having, you know, um, I know I've talked to my two daughters about, uh, uh, issues of privilege and noticing and noticing the, you know, the treatment in the classroom and how they can speak up and how they can recognize issues and recognize that they are, are having an experience that might be very different to the person who's sitting right next to them mm -hmm. and how the teacher's talking to them may be different to how they're talking to other people and to be aware of that and to speak up when they see that. I agree that it's, um, as a mother, you know, we just want, we want our kids to grow up in a world that is safe and mm -hmm. just, and, uh, you know, that everyone can live a, a, a wonderful life. And we yeah. need to, we need to work and see that, that everybody's child is invited to the birthday party, right? Yeah, everyone, everyone gets an invitation and everyone's welcome to that yeah, yeah. to that party i think it's more like everybody's welcome because sometimes because of budgets and everything yeah. else you might not be able to have <laughs> everybody everyone, in the but... class right <laughs> but i guess what i'm trying to say is you know um we should not consciously be excluding other kids based on their color 
Right. That's what I'm trying to hit at. I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and even also- challenge ourselves that, you know, it it might be unconscious and that's where we we're working. I think that's where we're seeing right now mm-hmm. is, um, that what has been unconscious is becoming conscious. We yes. are becoming aware of something that we have been blind to for so long and we haven't been hearing and paying attention to. And there is finally a focus on, on, on this work. So I wanted to ask you, you know, what, what is keeping you motivated these days? You touched on that, that it's, you know, your son is motivating you, uh, but what is keeping you hopeful and, uh, you know, feeling motivated and productive? Mm-hmm. Uh, funny enough, because we were just talking about, you know, the younger generation. It is the younger generation that, that's keeping me motivated right now. Because even if you look um, at the Winnipeg context, the girls that organize the Black Lives Matter, they're young. Oh, they're, they're like young. very young, like early 20s. Maybe maybe one of them is even a teen, like 1918. Right. Yes. And so there's so many of these young people that are doing absolutely amazing work and they seem to be fearless. They are bold and they're going for it without, you know, being apologetic about their yep. stance, their values. They're like, this is wrong. We're going to go much. We're going to address this and we're going to speak up. So, yes. And I'm thinking, you know what? I am way older than these girls. Um, and <laughs> I need to be doing more. I need to, you know, to start speaking up. I need to, you know, to, to start making an impact as well. So, yeah, for me right now, I will say the, the younger generation, these young girls, wow, they, they, they are really challenging me to step it up. That's for sure. They are uh, bold. They are, yes, confident and Mm -hmm. determined and they are making an impact. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I just want to be like them when I grow up, so. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Um, And what's, uh, you know, what are you working on right now? Like, what's a big goal that you've got that's um, happening in in your personal uh, life for, and for your, for your business that you, you know, what are you, what are you developing and creating right now? Yeah. So right now I'm in the process of, um, trying to open my private practice. Um, so I have a name, I just need to get one or two things, uh, to line up so I could open, but I think, uh, part of it is, you know, I don't know if whether being a perfectionist where I'm like, Oh, I can't have my Instagram live right now because, you know, it's not lining out the way I want it to. Um, I need to put it down first. It needs to be a certain way. And just really overthinking things because, to be quite honest, I have the skills. I've been doing this for a long time. But somehow, it's just like just jumping to that next stage and just hesitating a little bit. But I know what I need to do. So, yeah. So, right now, I'm working on my private practice. I'm very excited for it. Um, and your private practice will be in social work or will it so you're going to be a a counselor or is that yeah absolutely so the private practice will be offering therapy uh and kind of specializing in you know anxiety depression trauma 
family, you know, issues uh, in terms of like domestic violence, all those things as well. Uh, I also do, well, in the past I've done marriage counseling. So it's something that I will be also looking forward to doing as well. Um, yeah, because I think uh, part of it too, we need more diverse therapists out there. Because even right mm -hmm. now, if I ask you, what is the first of a therapist, you will probably think of a, you know, a white guy with a suit sitting at a couch. And <laughs> so your, your big goal right now is to get your private practice going. And are you going to continue to write as a part of that practice? You're going to Absolutely. I, I think blogging is something that I don't see myself like stopping anytime soon. It's something that I've done as part of self-care, as part of expressing myself for the longest. My blogs have always changed names. Um, like right now, I've kind of moved into microblogging just because it seems to be the thing. Um, but I'm also hoping to actually open up another blog again because um, I closed my last blog in the last like last year or two years ago. Um, so yeah, so writing and blogging will always be something that I, I don't see that. I don't see myself stopping doing that. It's, it's part of self-care for me. Basically. Right. Yeah. And you can also, uh, I mean, you've got experience with, uh, you know, camera work and, and, you know, so I'm assuming that you would be shining if you can do like Instagram lives and, you know, doing interviews on, like you can do interviews. Oh, on. yes. Well, I guess I didn't talk about that, but that's one of those things that I'm, I'm looking forward to. I've been, I've done Instagram lives a couple of times. Um, I, I think I've talked about uh, mental health at some point. I don't do that often. And part of the reason why is because right now I'm in graduate studies. So I'm just finishing up and that should be done by September. And I think it's also part of the reason why I'm not really studying anything new just because of the stress of what I'm doing right now. And, um, but I have a lot of ideas in terms of where I want my social media to go in terms of some of the lives that I will do. And also, um, you know, I wouldn't mind as well even doing um, a virtual meeting where we're kind of talking about this issue. So there's a lot of things that I have uh, planned and I'm really excited for it. Yeah. Good. Well, it'll be like this podcast. It'll, you'll just jump in, take the challenge. Well, now that I've said it publicly, now I have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, and so where can people find you? You are, your, your big uh, social media is, is Instagram. So that's, I'm assuming yeah. where people can find you at Inspired Shona. Yeah. Inspired Shona. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. So Inspired Shona pretty much kind of goes with the philosophy that I have right now. Um, just trying to, you know, live an inspired life. And even in my business, uh, the name that I have also has inspired there that encourages other people just to live an inspired life and to live a bold life as well. Um, so, yeah. Living an inspired and bold life. I love it. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Fatima. This was a fantastic conversation. Thoroughly enjoyed myself. Um, and I hope you did too. I, you know, I just... Uh, I feel, I, I feel inspired. I feel inspired. Um, and, uh, I feel like we're, we're heading in a good direction. Absolutely. Yes. Well, yes. thank you so much for having me here. This You're was welcome. amazing. Uh, it was not as scary as I thought. So you are great at what you do. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much for having me. Um, especially, you know, taking a chance on me, when you've never heard me speak, uh, not knowing what I'm about, but uh, I really appreciate it. Yeah. 
No, I think that uh, anytime like this, I, and, and listen, like I see a podcast for you in your future. You would be so like, you have great interviewing skills yourself. So I could see you like, this could be something for oh, you. Thank you well. so much. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Thank you, Fatima. I really enjoyed our conversation. I learned so much from you. I'm so glad that you're speaking up and you are willing to educate us and really speak to the community in Winnipeg and beyond in Canada about anti-racism, how to take action steps, how to move the conversations forward, how to normalize talking about racism. So I really appreciate that. I'm so glad we had this chance to talk. I know it's been a life-changing experience for me and I am really happy to share your voice with my audience. And I just look forward to many more of these conversations in the future. Thanks for listening to the All in Gold podcast with me, your host, Linda Drozdowich. If you're loving what you're learning in the podcast and want more coaching tools to help your business grow, go to lindadrozdowich.com and hop on a call with me to see if one-on-one all-in gold coaching is right for you. Bring your business and life to the next level. Go to lindadrozdowich.com and let's go all in.